Hey, I'm Kendrick. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, real quick, I want everybody to do something with me because somebody just reminded me of something. Grab your cell phones because you guys are going to be thinking like, is it 11 o'clock yet? Is it 11 o'clock yet? Go to your email inbox and see if you have an email from Right Now Media. You do not, right? Yeah, I hear not yet. So you could just close that email account, right? Because part of making disciples is, yes, teaching truth, but the other part is sharing life together. And we are going to be sharing life together as we worship right now together, not with you checking out right now media on your phone, okay? So you're not going to be able to do a study because we'll all hear it. And if you put in earphones, we all know what's up. Oscar, I'm going to set you on them. Um, So you just turn your phone away. Right now, media, you got all year starting when I'm done today. So yeah, it will be a good time. I'm actually excited that some of you are excited about it. I've been had a chance to look it over, and it is just a... uh, an awesome resource, and so I'm excited that as a church we'll get to do that together and do some of those things. So anybody know what today is? Sunday 14th. You are all correct, right? It is also the 10th week, which is the last day of our study that we've been looking at the heart of Christ together. 10 weeks. Somebody got the email. (laughs) Nobody else look. All right. I got five more minutes. I got to hurry. So this is our our final uh, session, our final time together as we look at the heart of Christ. And so we have covered a ton of ground in the last 10 weeks. We could actually spend several years just talking about the heart of Christ. So, But over the last 10 weeks, we have looked at the mercy and the grace and the patience and the unwavering and the faithfulness of God's heart. Several of our weeks, we looked at an Old Testament confessional statement that helped lay some of the groundwork for the studies that we did. We found that in 34, uh, excuse me, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. It said, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, and him is Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving inequity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children's to the third and fourth generations. And we studied that passage, and we looked at his mercy and his grace and his faithfulness that is found in that. But through this time, we've also expanded our understanding of his heart. We've tried to get a better understanding of what his heart is, because we as humans, we naturally try to make it like us. We naturally try to make his heart like ours, and when we do that, we diminish his heart. But as we learn more about his heart, we find that his greatness and his holiness and his compassion far exceeds anything that we can understand and even anything that we can imagine. If you remember in our study, we looked at Isaiah uh, chapter 55. In verse 6 through 9, it says, Seek the Lord, and while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And so many times when we hear that verse, we hear verse 8, we think of God's sovereignty. But when we put it in this context, your thoughts are not my thoughts, your ways are higher than my ways, it's talking about his compassion it's talking about his ability to pardon 
and we just don't understand it. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And most of all, as we have studied this, we have learned that God's heart, his desire is to call us friends. That he goes and he intercedes for us. And it's his heart's desire to give us rest. And the very first week, we looked at this verse in Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and 29. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. That's a lot of ground we covered in just 10 weeks. I mean, each of those things we could spend months on. So just again, let's just recap a couple of the things that we have learned when we looked at the heart of Christ. We learned his desires to call us friends and to pray for us and to give us rest, give our weary hearts rest. We learned that his heart is far greater, more holy, and more compassionate than we can ever understand. And we learn that his heart in dealing with us is full of mercy and grace. It is patient and untiring. It is completely faithful, 100% faithful, even when we are not. That's like good news, right? Like if, there's ever, if I ever said anything that you would respond with, praise God or amen, that would probably be it. Right, when we just talk about the awesomeness of God's heart, like when we start talking about this and as we've studied this and we looked at scripture and we see that those truths are truths, our hearts should be exploding with joy. Right, there's something about that that just gravitates us, that just fills us with joy. Just hearing those things and thinking back on those scriptures takes my heart to a place of worship. Takes my heart to God's holiness, and as I learn about the heart of God, my affections for Him are stirred, and my love for Him grows even deeper and deeper, and even more as we learn about His heart. But after all this time, after all this time of studying this, after all this time of going through and searching the scriptures and looking at this book, there is still one question that we have to answer How do we know these things are true? How do we know what we are reading? How do we know this is true? When we read this book and we study the scripture, how do we know that his heart is rich in mercy? How do we know that his grace is free? How do we know of his everlasting love for us? How do we know these are actual truths and not just feelings? How do we know that these are actual truths and not just encouraging words that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better? How do we know that these are truths and not just traditions that are passed down from the family or collected in the, in the culture, but that these are actual truths? How do we know that these are truths that we can anchor our life to? That these are truths that we determine how we live our lives? These are truths that we look back to in making decisions. Because sometimes if we're really, really honest with ourselves, we learn that some things we thought were truths were never actually truths, right? When we start to walk through life, things punch us in the face and we get all confused. As a Marine, somewhere along the line, they taught me I was invincible. I believed it. Then one night after knee surgery, I was sleeping and I rolled over. And my foot caught a sheet in my bed, and I couldn't walk for like four days. And I remember my sister-in-law looked at me, and she's like, oh, Invincible Marine, looks like somebody lied to you, right? You got hurt 
while you were sleeping. Right? I was lied to and I fell for it. However, the longer that we live, right, the longer that we live in relationship with Jesus, the longer we pursue Jesus, the more we'll find out that these truths are 100% real. The more we'll find out that these truths we can anchor our lives to. Man, if you've been a, a believer for any length of time, you have faced difficult times. You have faced dark times. You have faced times and maybe you didn't think God was there. But even in those times, you could rely on the truth of Scripture that he would never leave you or that he would never forsake you. It might feel lonely or painful. It might be full of frustration and confusion. But in your heart of hearts, you know that God is still with you. And as we study scripture, as we study Jesus, and we spend time in prayer, fellowshipping with Jesus, as we seek a relationship with our Savior, as we go through life, we are drawn to a single point in time, right? An event that we can point to for all of our lives and for all of eternity. We can point to this single time in human history that proves all the truths of God's heart are real now and real for all of eternity, We know that these things are true. We know that these things are absolute truth in defining God's heart because of one time. Because he went to the cross. We know that as a defining moment in history. We know the cross is super significant in Christian history. The cross is a big deal. Many of you in here right now, many of you watching online are wearing a cross around your neck. And if you think about that, that is a first century Roman killing tool. It was how they killed people. It was one of the most horridous and humiliating ways to kill people. It killed thousands and thousands of people. But for those of us who know Jesus, the cross proved his heart for us. It proved his love for us for all of eternity. And as we close this study, I want to look at the night before Jesus went to the cross. The Gospel of John tells us more about this night than any of the other Gospels. So at this time, you can go ahead and open your your Bibles to John 13. And as we pick up, we'll see that this is the night that Jesus was in the upper room with all of his disciples. Right? They were uh, having the, the Passover meal. This was the last meal that Jesus would eat with all of his disciples before he was hung on the cross. This is the beginning of the end of his earthly ministry. The meal and the surrounding events and the teaching of Jesus are covered in varying degrees in all four of the Gospels. But it's in John's introduction to this night that he gives us insight to the truth of God's heart. And if we are not careful, we will read right past it. We just skip right past this verse and we try to get into the big part, the important part. And we're just going to look at, we're just going to look at the last few words of this verse. Read with me John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We read those last five words. 
he loves them to the end. That sounds like we are at the end. Right? That's how they end fairy tales and they loved each other till the end. That's how romantic comedies, I think that's how they end. I never make it to the end. But it, I think that's what happens before I fall asleep, that people meet, they fall in love, they get separated, they get back together, and then they love each other till the end. That's what Melissa tells me happens, so I believe her. But if, for those of us who've read Scripture, for those of us who study this Word, for those of us that are, have a relationship with Jesus, we know that's not the end. Right? We know that the story does not end with Jesus going to the cross. So what does that mean, that he loved them to the end? What does that really mean, that he loved them to the end? And in the following chapters, this phrase, he loved them to the end, it's, it's put in context. And if you keep reading this, you run into some of Jesus' most popular teachings, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. We run into his teaching about the Holy Spirit and the mission and the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches that he is the vine and that his disciples are to abide in him. In these next several chapters, he predicts his death and he reminds us that our sorrow will turn to joy in the morning. And it's in these teachings that are often referred to as his farewell discourse that Jesus very clearly explains what is meant. He loved them till the end. Church, now we don't have uh, time this morning to read the entire farewell discourse. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you to read that this week. Sometime this week, I want you to set that aside. It's chapters 13 through 16 of John. John, 13 through 16. Some of you just got a pin out. John, 13 through 16. It's the farewell discourse. Read it. Right? We're just going to look at this from a, a 5,000 view as we look down on what this means. I mean, chapter 17 is the priestly prayer. That's something worth reading too, so might as well just read 13, 16, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. But in this discourse, you will find what Jesus means when he explains it, that he loved them to the end. Now why he explains it in his farewell discourse, on the cross, he demonstrated exactly what it means that he loved them to the end. This morning, we're going to read just this introduction verse, what we just talked about. I'm trusting that you're going to read the entire discourse later, so we're just going to take a mild view of what is meant by he loved until the end. That's all we're going to do this morning. We're going to set you up so this week, as you are reading, you can dive a little bit deeper into the word. As you are reading the farewell discourse, you will understand these truths of his heart that we have been looking at for the last 10 weeks. And if we read that opening verse again, that introduction verse again, says this, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart and out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. We're just going to park right there. We're just going to park on that end. He loved them to the end. What does that mean? It didn't mean that he was finished loving them or that he would ever be finished loving them or that he was out of love for them. That's not what it means. But before we look at what it does mean, I want to just cover really quick what it does not mean. Because too much when we study the heart of God, as I mentioned before, our first inclination is to make him like us. So we start applying what we know and what we understand and we just start making assumptions. So before we get started, I want to eliminate some of those assumptions very quickly. First, to the end does not mean that his love will ever end. It does not have a 
time period associated with it. It does not have an expiration date. It does not have a time period that Jesus is looking forward to and said, I can't wait till I get to that day, then I can stop loving that person. Right? There is none of that. He's not saying, oh, finally I made it. I don't have to love you anymore. That is not what this means. And as people, we can sometimes do that. I just got to tolerate this person for this long or for that long. We don't say tolerate, we say love because we're Christians, but really what we mean is I don't have to tolerate this person. And I remember one time when I was in a, a student's course, an infantry officer's course, we had a student in our class. He didn't do anything. He was a, he was a, a pain in the backside. And when you were in a billet, he didn't care what you said. He was on his own program. He never paid attention. He was always lost. He was never doing what he was supposed to do. And then one day, he was a billet leader. Right? And we had just finished this movement. We'd been moving for two days. We had about 90 minutes before we had to move again. Yeah, that's sleep time. Right? And so the guy that was second in charge, he said, hey, everybody go to sleep. And he established the nighttime watch. And so we all go to sleep, and it's about five minutes into it. This guy comes running back, and he says, everybody, get up, get up. I want everybody's bags packed. We're like, what for? Just in case we have to move. Just do it. I need you guys to be ready for me. And I remember the, the number two guy, and I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to protect the guilty. The, the number two guy said, hey, man, listen up. These guys need sleep. We've already got night watch. We've already got our leaders working on the next plan, so I'm going to have the guys sleep for 90 minutes. And this guy says, no, you can't. And the next thing I heard, whack, thud. And it got quiet. So we all went to sleep. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But then I woke up because there was an instructor yelling at us to get up. And we all got up. And he said, hey, guys, that can't happen. And he points to a guy who's laying on the ground with an ice pack on his face. Right? And he says, you guys don't have to love each other forever. But you got to love each other until the end of this course. And so we put a little mark on our calendar, and we sure loved each other until the end of that course. But after that course, we tolerated him. We're Christians. We loved him. I'm just kidding. Right? But that's not what this passage is saying. Right? There's no end date on there. There's no end date on Jesus' love. One Bible transition, if we look in the Amplified Version of um, 2015, the, the cap, they tried to capture this verse, so they took the original text and they put it like this. He loved them, brackets, and continuously loves them with his perfect love, brackets, to the end, parentheses, eternally. And when they're translating, they're saying, okay, this is what this means. Jesus will never, ever stop loving his own. Right? It isn't a love that comes and goes. It doesn't depend on what kind of mood Jesus is in. It is his character to love you. It's not a, the love that is here today, gone tomorrow. It depends what kind of mood Jesus is in. It's none of that. It doesn't have a start date. It doesn't have an end time. It is continuous and it is forever. It is the love that as we read before, it's to the uttermost. Right? The ends of which are furthest from you. When you pursue his love, and you think that you're in the middle of his love, and you get up and you look around, you can look out for eternity and not see the end of his love. Right? You're like, I'm in the middle of it. The ends are, no. You can get up and you can look, and as far as you can see, you will see his love. You are in the middle. There is no ends to his love whatsoever. And as you are reading this week, you'll read that he is preparing a place for you right now to live in his love forever. He is preparing a place for you. If it were not so, would he have told you so? 
right? It wasn't that the, hey, I'm done with my earthly ministry, it's to the end, see ya. No, he is building a place for you to come and he will love you forever. The cross showed us that Jesus' love is a love that will never, ever end. So we know that that's not what it means. When we say to the end, we know we're not talking about a duration. We also know that when we look at it, that to end does not mean that his love will ever run out. Like when we talk about an amount. There is not some limited amount of love. And when we hit that amount, we're at the end and he doesn't love us anymore. That's not what this means at all. We had a dog, Kona. I loved that dog. She was like our pre-kid dog. Sometimes we loved that kid more. Nah, I shouldn't say that loud. But she was a good dog. You're laughing. And we loved that dog without Lynn. But I remember when we got that dog, I looked my wife straight in the face, and I said, if this dog's medical bills cost more than putting her down and getting a new dog, we're getting a new dog because my love's going to run out. That was a complete lie because that dog ended up, I forgot what it was called, but it was the equivalent of an ACL reconstruction for a dog. That is not cheap. And that doctor told us that, and I go, Melissa, I still love this dog. We can move around our savings. We could do this. We could do that. We could take care and heal this dog. And we did. Then we had Isaac, and Isaac had friends over his house, and it was not big, tall man Isaac. It was little kid Isaac, like five years old. And a little girl was playing with Isaac, and our dog did not like people playing with our kids. And she snapped and tore the jacket. She's a 120-pound dog. Well, guess what? Love for her ran out. She did not have many more days on this earth when she started showing she was aggressive towards young kids. She reached the end. There was a point to my love. There was a point to Melissa's love. And we just realized she exceeded it. The end being that it wasn't worth the risk of having a dog that was, going, that was getting aggressive and was showing signs to where she could actually hurt kids. That made our love ran out. All right? When dating, right, so if we take this out of the animal world and we put it into dating, when we run out of love for somebody, we usually say something like, oh, that person's high maintenance, right? That means it's not worth the effort anymore. My love is tapped out. This person is high maintenance. If you remember from last week, if you remember Jerome, one of the early Christian fathers, he said, love is nothing hard. No task is difficult to the eager. So when we start saying that's hard, when we start saying that's high maintenance, when we say, I ain't doing that anymore, we've hit our limit. And God has never done that. Right? Jesus faced the cross, and he could think of nothing that he would rather do less as he was facing the wrath of God. As he knew he was going to bear the sins of all of the world for all time. Not to mention the physical pain and the emotional suffering. But think of this. God the Father. God the part of the Trinity. Perfect relationship with the Father for all of eternity. From who knows when it started for all of eternity was going to look at his father and say, why have you forsaken me? Something was going to happen to that relationship. He was going to be filled with the guilt and the shame and the fears of the world. In John chapter 12, it tells us that Jesus prayed, Father, save me from this hour. There was no other way than for Jesus to give everything, than for Jesus to give his life. And in his farewell discourse, Jesus tells us the fullness of his love when he tells his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus knew what was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise. But through his love, 
his limitless love, he did it. Because of his love for us, no task was too hard. No task was too difficult for the eager. And when Jesus went to the cross, Jesus poured out his heart to the bottom. But the miraculous thing was, it was still full. Jesus poured out all of his love only to remain full. There is no limit to the amount of God's love. We see the cross, Jesus' love was a love that reaches the fullest extent. Even when emptied all the way, it is still full. On the cross, there was no end to Jesus' love. So to the end does not mean that Jesus runs out of love. So we know that it's not a, uh, to the end is not associated with a duration. It's not associated with an amount of God's love. We know, this is not my opinion, this is scripture. We know that God's love is timeless and endless. That is what we know. So what does it mean to the end? When, Jesus, when John wrote to the end, what does it mean that he loves us to the end? It means this, the completion of his purpose. When it says to the end, it was to the end of his purpose. It was completion of his purpose. That having loved his own, he loved them. And he loves us to the completion of our salvation. When that was the purpose, that's what he was doing. That was the means. He loved us to the ends, to the completion of our salvation. When he proclaimed with a loud cry from the cross that it is finished. All the work that the Father had sent him to accomplish, mainly his work of bearing the penalty for our sins, was now completed. The purpose was at the end. The purpose that had been completed, the purpose was full. This means that there was no more penalty left to be paid for our sins. Right? We were forgiven. We were made righteous. And I know sometimes we hear righteous and we don't know what that means. And I remember I was flipping through the dictionary and I wanted to use a less biblical word. And it said decent. I said, that's not the word. Man, we were made righteous. This means that we were made worthy to stand in the presence of the all-holy God. We were not decent. We were worthy to be in the presence of God. The saving work of Christ was accomplished on the cross. He loved us to the end, the completion of his purpose. He would love them to the end. The idea behind the phrase to the end is the fullest extent to the uttermost that the completion of the purpose is complete. To the fullest extent. It does not mean that Jesus continued to love his disciples only to the end of his earthly ministry, but that he loved them with no limits. That he keeps and continues to love them, that he loves us. That although the disciples would give up on him, he never gave up on them. Though the disciples would stop thinking about Jesus and oftentimes were thinking about themselves and where they stood with Jesus, he never stopped thinking of them. And he loved them to the end. And going to the cross is proof that he loves them and that he loves you to the end. And again, the end is your salvation. The end is you being justified before Christ. The end is you is being made worthy. The end is you being able to stand in front of God completely forgiven of your sins, completely restored in relationship with your creator. You were made worthy. You will be in his glory and reflect his glory for all eternity. That is to the end that you are reflecting his glory forever and ever and ever. That is our purpose in life is to glorify God. That's why we were created. That's why we were made is to glorify God. And it is the work 
that Jesus accomplished on the cross that makes that possible. There is nothing left for you to do. There is no other work to be done. He has loved you to the end, to the completion of your salvation because he went to the end and he finished it. The mission and the purpose was 100% complete. The author of Hebrews tells us that we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Right, that we can anchor our lives to this, that the saving work of Christ on the cross, we have hope that we can anchor our life to. We are assured of our salvation. It is the promise from God, and that promise is complete by the nature of God. His promises and his purposes are both unchanged and completely fulfilled. And it is on the cross that Jesus proved that his heart was full of mercy and grace. Proved that his heart is patient with us. That his heart is untiring. That he is completely faithful. It is finished. He endured the cross. He is 100% completely faithful even when we are not. It is on the cross that Jesus' heart was more holy, was more compassionate, and was greater than we could ever imagine. And it happened on the cross. It was on the cross that we saw his true heart's desire. His heart's desire to call us friends. His heart's desire to intercede for us, to intercede for us, happened on the cross. And on the cross, he provided a way for our weary hearts to have rest. That is what is meant by it said he loved us to the end. Over the last several weeks, my prayer is that as you have done this study, that you would come to know the heart of Christ. That you would come to know that he has loved you to the end. And that that would draw you to him. As you study his heart, as you study his love, that that would draw you to him. That you would simply, I'm not asking a whole lot here, that you would just simply go to Jesus. That you would find Jesus. Right? That you would go to Jesus and that you would follow him. And I know there's people in here saying, man, I've, I've come to Jesus 50 years ago, 20 years ago. I've been following him for a long time. Gosh, I hope that you're following him more now. Right? I hope that you are following him more now. After 10 weeks, you're not stuck where you were 10 weeks ago, but you have learned something about God's heart. You've been drawn to his love and you are following him more but I know for some of you, the first step is just to come to Jesus, right? Just come to, to Jesus, right? You've been waiting to make yourself right with God before coming to him. You think you need to do something, right, so that it, it can be done before God will accept you, before God will love you. But that's not true. God has already loved you to the end, right? The work is already complete, you are already made righteous. You are already found worthy. You can already go before the throne of God and sing glory, glory, glory. It is complete. He has loved you to the end. Just come as you are. Somebody should write a song about that. Just come as you are. He's taking care of the rest. And if that is you and you're tired and you're worn out and the, the weight that you are carrying is unbearable, 
Go back to Matthew. Jesus tells you, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is a truth that we can hang our hat on. That is a truth that we are anchored to. That is a truth that our whole lives can be built on simply because he has loved us to the end. That we can come to him and have rest in his love. And if you've never done that to you, if you've never surrendered, if you have been waiting to to give your life to Jesus for you to be right, you're never gonna be right by yourself. But Jesus loves you to the end and you can go before him now. And if, if that is you and you haven't done it, you, you don't need me to, right? You can pray to Jesus, that's great. But I would love to worship with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to have that time of celebration with you. And so after the service or during this last song, you can come up and let me know and share in this time with us. If you're not sure what to do, come up. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out what that looks like. There's gonna be people in the back door. There's a whole bunch of people. If, if you don't wanna talk to me because I put my dog down or whatever, that's fine. <laughs> there's, there's other people that will talk to you that will talk to you about the love of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to do that. But there's others in you in here already that we've already talked about that have experienced the love of Christ to the end and you're living in the grace of God and you're asking, well now what? Well now what do I do? What was I supposed to learn? How was my heart to be opened? Man, simple. Follow Jesus. Right? Sometimes we make this so hard and we have this checklist of things we, we need to do or things that we, we, we think we should do. No, you just need to follow Jesus. Follow him. How are you doing? Look at your life. Say, how am I doing at following Jesus? Is following Jesus even on your list of things to do or is it all this other stuff? Like, do I need to try to be nicer? Do I need to show more mercy? Do, no, just, just follow Jesus. Just make that your next step. Follow Jesus. And if you're trying, if you're trying to follow Jesus even just a little bit, it is so nice to be reminded of his grace. It is so nice, and our heart dances when we are reminded of his grace in our life. Man, there is so much peace when we are following Jesus. There is so much peace found in his mercy. And as we're reminded of his truth and his glory, our hearts should be stirred and our affections for Jesus grow and he becomes the desire of our hearts. Right? The more we learn about Jesus, the more we are attracted to Jesus, the more Jesus becomes the desires of our hearts. It's a great circle. And we just keep going and keep going and keep going to be more like Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we show Jesus to our world. We show his glory in our worship. Like when we are worshiping, in a few minutes, when we are, are worshiping and praising God, are you worshiping God for who he is, or are you saying, oh, 1128, right now media should be on my phone? No, no, no. Are you engaged with your worship? Are you showing God's glory that nothing else matters when we are worshiping God? Do we show his holiness in our lives? Right? When we are following Jesus, do we see that we are to be different than the world? Because we are not citizens of this world. If we are followers of Jesus, we belong to his kingdom. We should be different. We should look different. We should act different. Man, our goal should not be to fit in. Our goal should be to follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. And then we show his heart when we are following Jesus. We show his heart to others by our love for them. You want to be different? Love somebody. You want to be different? Love your enemies. You want to be different? Love somebody who might not agree with you about the vaccination. Man, you, you would build bridges in this world. But when we know that Jesus loves us to the end, then guess what we do? We live like Jesus. 
right? We are disciples of Jesus. If we know that Jesus loves us to the end, man, we can't help but love God. And when we know that Jesus loves us to the end, we try to live like Jesus. We show mercy. We extend grace. We show compassion. We provide comfort. We share hope. We love others. We point others to the cross and show them the heart of Christ. We point others to the cross to show them the heart of Christ. Here it is, church. Jesus loved you. So just live like Jesus. Right? Jesus loved you to the end. Now it's your turn to just live like Jesus. Just follow Jesus. We can't love Jesus. We can't say the scripture is my authority and have our hearts not changed by the love of God in our lives. And the more that God changes our lives, the more we live like him, the more we show his glory to the world, and the more we as a body worship and glorify our God. Jesus loved you to the end. Just live like Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We, we thank you that you loved us to the end. We thank you that there's no bounds or limits to your love. Lord, and we would just pray that we would just come to you. That this week as we are reading, as we're reading through John, as we're reading the farewell discourse, Lord, we just pray you would just grab our hearts, that you would transform our hearts. Lord, we pray that we would live more like you. That we would do away with our list of what next and just focus on following you. That you would be our heart's desire. And Lord, we pray that in our lives we would point people to the joy and the peace and the hope that is found in the first century weapon of death. We would pray that we would show people the life that comes from the cross. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen.